This is why you're fucking poor. What is nothing? Hey, now that's what and the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. That's Deep Bro. I am your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode of the show. Got a lot of deep shit to get into, bros. But first, some business. Come see me perform at the Calusa Casino, Calusa, California. Uh, one show, one show only, guys. Come on. Uh, the 23rd of February and then March 30th and 31st, Portland, Oregon at Helium Comedy Club. And those tickets are going fast, fast, fast. So I recommend if you uh, want to see me, get get those now because, okay, uh, who knows what's going to happen. Tickets at Christina P. Online. Do your Amazon shopping using uh, a banner on that com. Pretty please. Thank you so much. Ow, and uh, I got merch, you know, on my website too, Christina P online, all that shit. All right, let's get into it. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, let's go. All right, man. I, uh, I've been into hip hop lately, you know, I'm very street, very, uh, very cool. And so I like cool things. I like cool tunes. Let's get into it. I'm going to, I'm going to play this song. I've liked this one forever. I think this is one of my favorite albums uh, from Jay-Z. I just, I just love Jay-Z. Who doesn't like Jay-Z? Get your life. Come on. I'm just trying to stay above water, you know? Just stay busy, stay working. I was telling me, like, the key to this joint, the key to stay on top of things is to treat everything like it's your first project, you know what I'm saying? Like it's your first day, like I want to be the intern. Like, that's how you try to treat things, like, just stay hungry. <laughs> Why you don't stop, y'all wanna know why you don't flop? Let me tell you, be equal. Why I came from the bottom of the block? I, when I was born, it was sworn. I was never gonna be shit. Had to prove the opposite. I was bitch. Had to get my ride. Right. Hide on, eyes on the pride. Y'all knew I had to, had to, had to get these chips. Had to make moves like Elijah Wan. Started out selling dimes and nicks. Graduated to a brick. No exaggeration. My infatuation with the strip. Legendary like a schoolboy. Crush a million in the every, every chick. Every shit. That's how schoolboy got whipped and got left on some chest. Me, myself, and I on some true boy shit. Had the voice to a place up, to a place of no return. Had to play with fire and get burned. Only way the boy ever gonna learn. Had to lay way in the cut, till I finally got my turn. Now I'm on top in the spot that I earned. It's my life. It's my pain and my struggle. The song that I sing to you is my everything. Treat my first like my last and my last like my first and my first is the same as when I came. It's my joy and my tears and the laughter it brings to me is my everything. Like I never rode in a limo like 
Like I just dropped flows to a demo Like it's 92 again And I got O's in the rental Back in the stool again, no problem It was a whole lot simple When you think back, you thought that You would never make it this far Then you take advantage of the luck you handed By the talent you've been given Ain't no half-stepping Ain't no, no slipping Ain't no different from a block that's hitting Gotta get it while the getting's good Gotta strike while the iron's hot When you stop and you gotta fit it Good written, goodbye this is my second major breakup. My first was with a page up, with a hoopty, a coupon, and a game. This one's with the screw with the stay. When they got the fortune. fortune. Right. I love Jay-Z. He's always threatening to leave us. He's always threatening this goddamn retirement, and then he comes back. Come on now, Jay. What is it? Are you coming or going, bro? You coming or going? I love that song. I've always loved that song. Well, because you've got Biggie Smalls in the beginning, of course. And what's he saying? What's he saying? The key to staying fresh in the game. You got you to treat every day like it's your first day, like you're an intern, right? That's it. That's the key. That's how y'all want to know why I don't stop. <laughs> y'all want to know why I don't pop. Beep, beep, poop, poop. That's it. You got you to gotta treat your first like your last and your last like your first, man. That's how you stay on top of your shit, son. Right? You got to treat all that stuff. And what does that mean? What the fuck does that mean? You know, I don't know. I do think it means something creatively. At least I interpret it as, um, you know, a stand-up. I think when people have some success, they think it's that's the time to chill, man. Time to rest on your laurels and just, uh, you know, perform for the people who uh, who already laugh. I don't think so. I think I got to make it funny for for all audiences. Not necessarily all, but... Uh, I like to keep it, I like to challenge myself, right? Fucking treat it, treat, treat your, treat your last like your first, man. Like I got an intern. All right. And I, what am I talking about? I, listen, let's get into it. I, uh, I've been watching this show, this network show called This Is Us. And, uh, I had to tap out of it, bros. I had to tap out. And I, I love the characters, the seventies characters played by Mandy, Mandy Moore, and then this really cute Italian guy, and you know, whatever. If you've seen this show, I don't fucking tell you what happens. But, anyways, there's a storyline about this gentleman who uh, meets his uh, a father that gave him up when he was a baby, and blah blah blah. The guy fucking dies, and, uh, and there's a scene where this guy has a nervous breakdown at work and his brother is uh, about to perform in a play, big play, right? He's, this brother has uh, blown up his Hollywood show business career because he played the Manny, which is like a male nanny, a shirtless nanny, which is really funny. And he decides to become a serious Broadway actor. And so he drops everything. He moves to New York and he rehearses this play. He puts his own money into this play. He, you know, invests a lot into this play, but... But what happens is that the night, the opening night of his play, the opening night when the New York Times is going to be there to review it, uh, his brother happens to have a bit of a nervous breakdown. Okay. And so he just senses it. He does. The brother doesn't, doesn't ask for help, doesn't say anything, but he knows his brother well enough to know that something's wrong. So what does he do? <laughs> this dumb motherfucker drops everything right? Doesn't do the play, drops the play to go help his brother, to go help his brother. And the point of the story is in this episode is that when your family needs you, when your family needs you, you better drop everything right away. 
and go tend to that person. You got you to gotta make your life, put everything you're doing on the back burner and go run and help that person. <laughs> and uh, I can't think of a more um, horrible lesson to put in any kind of a show. I, I can't think of any more counterintuitive, self-destructive. I mean, think about it. The guy dumps the play. So all those people, all those people relying on him and his celebrity to help draw, you know, an audience and the New York Times and all that stuff, all those people get screwed because he decides he needs to go and talk to his brother. Now, here's the thing. What, what could he have done instead, Christina? You fucking shrew. You horrible person. Well, here's what he could have done. He could have said to himself, self, uh, my responsibility right now immediately is to this play, to these people that have spent months putting this on. And so I will fulfill my obligation to these people whose livelihoods depend on me. And I will find an adequate substitute for my brother's mental health care. For instance, I might call my brother's spouse <laughs> or my other sibling uh, who's free right now to go over and check on him. I might call a friend. I might call fucking the police. I don't know. But you find an adequate substitute until, until you are so able to, uh, to care for that person yourself. You know, and they, they have this other example, uh, the man whose who's, uh, uh, birth father dies after not knowing the guy for years. He gets to know him and he dies of cancer, blah, blah, blah. The guy sabotages his life, too, to care for the dying father. Doesn't show up to work. <laughs> but showing up to work is how he provides for his, you know, family. It's a fucking stupid story. So the point of the story is I can't think of a worse lesson to teach people which is you need to drop everything to help other people. Now, uh, to, to the detriment, to your own detriment, I should make that a caveat. Because if Tom were to uh, have a life-threatening thing, you better believe I'm going to put this fucking show down and go to, you know, to a hospital to deal with my husband or my child. I'm not saying that. But if it's something that can be delayed, <laughs> or I can just you know, uh, take care of one obligation and move into the next, like, what are you doing? you fucking weirdo. So that was that. It was very upsetting. So I had to, I had to opt out of the show for a while. I'm, I'm tapped out, man. I couldn't, I couldn't take that fucking hokey bullshit. Uh, cause I just don't think that's true. And I think a lot of us who are susceptible to, uh, family members that are fucking, uh, emotional leeches or boundary steppers or narcissists or alcoholics or mentally ill, uh, you know, my mother was notoriously, she was a borderline for the, you know, for people who don't know, borderline personality disorder. And a lot, and, uh, her favorite thing to do was to make herself a victim. She was always dying, right? My mother was dying since 1990. Fuck, 92, 92, I think she was dying. She started dying then. Before that, she had uh, migraines that would lay her out. Um, but, but, but then, yeah, no, then there was the earthquake around 93, 94, the LA earthquake. And uh, she, that's when she started dying because she had a heart attack, a self-diagnosed heart attack during the earthquake. And, uh, and her whole thing was to, she wanted me to be her nursemaid, you know, uh, that was, that would have given her the utmost joy is if I would have stopped living my life entirely at the age of, I don't know, 16 or 17 and just devoted my life to caregiving 
for my mother. That that would have been her wet dream. And uh, I wasn't. I did not do that. Just so you guys know, I fucking ran. I ran as fast as I could. <laughs> I turned seventeen. I was out the door. Uh, I don't understand these kids that live at home in their twenties and thirties. I was like, I fucking knew I wanted out at six, dudes. I was gone, gone, like Harry Potter, just waiting for that letter from Hogwarts to arrive, just to tell me I'm fucking not related to these people. Convinced I'm an orphan. I was orphaned, but I was I fucking. Come on. My real parents are somewhere else. They've got to be living in a castle somewhere. I don't know. But uh, they're magicians. They're wizards. My real parents are wizards and, and witches. But yeah, so she, uh, my mother desperately wanted to suck me into that vortex of negativity. And the irony is the one or two times I, I was home from college or uh, I, I agreed to caregive her when she was sick, uh, it was fucking nightmarish because... <laughs> She was such a bitch. She she loved uh, being a bigger cunt to me in sickness. It was the best. Like she would. I remember one time she sent me to Gelson's, the supermarket. She uh, she was sick, and she goes, "I want you to bring me some shrimp." <laughs> okay, shrimp, huh? You just want a bag of shrimp? Yes, I want shrimp. I want the kind that is already cooked and I don't have to cook because I am too tired to cook. Oh, she's always too tired to cook. I am so tired. I cannot clean the house anymore either. I don't want to fucking cook or clean. Okay. 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 So I go to Gelson's against my better judgment because I know, I know it's a trap. It's a fucking trap. And I... I find the shrimp and I bring back a disgusting, slimy bag of cooked shrimp, which I don't buy uh, cooked anything. I, not not shrimp. I, I'll buy it raw and cook it at home. I just don't like it. I think it's disgusting. But anyway, so I, I bring it home to her. She didn't specify how many shrimp to buy. I figured a dozen would be enough for a small uh, European lady. And she got... She saw the shrimp and how many I had purchased and became irate. Well, how many fucking shrimp do you think I need? This is not enough fucking shrimp. Ah, how am I supposed to leave off this shit? And she like threw the bag of shrimp at the to the foot of the bed and got upset with me. I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm out, dude. You're in this one alone, lady. And that was uh, that was the end of my nursemaid days. To my mother. What a fucking nightmare. Can you even imagine? So anyways, the reason I talk about this is because I know uh, the guilt. The the, the popular storyline in, in culture is to tell us that family is everything. And no matter what, you got to stop what you're fucking doing and deal. And no, no, you don't. You can find adequate substitutes. My mother had a, had a husband. He should be taking care of her. And he did. Uh, you know, hospice care later in life, nurses, whatever they they can take care of, uh, irate parents as well. Just for those of you listening that have older parents that are in need of, uh, care, just know that you, you don't have to be the person to do that stuff. You know that, right? Uh, especially if you're a tad older and maybe of more means than in your youth, you can afford to have somebody, go by and check on them or you can put them in some kind of a situation that's, you know, beneficial so that you don't have to ruin your, your marriage, your health, your mental uh, wellness to deal with their fucking bullshit. There you go. 
Uh, there's that. I saw... Let me see if I can find this song because I really... I'm fascinated with, uh, you know, me and my Instagram. I love Instagram and I follow Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I do. It's I, I'm embarrassed uh, by the people that I, I follow, but uh, let me see if I can find this great song. So I'm, uh, I follow her and, I, and I'm curious because I feel as though she's kind of the, what's the thing I'm looking for? Mascot? for the millennials. Is that the right word? Mascot, ringleader. I don't fuck. So I like, I, you know, Miley Cyrus initially, I was like, this is fucking, what is this? She's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel authentic. It feels a little forced, you know, she's well, I'm a slut. I'm doing like, okay, whatever. Uh, but as time went on, as time went on, I began to find an affinity for Miley mostly because, <laughs> Uh, she's a huge LGBTQRSTUV advocate. Uh, so that's nice. I like that. I like that she's promoting love and, and tolerance. And uh, hey, you know, that's those aren't bad messages. And I think her voice is amazing. Now that I've I've listened to her, you know, I've caught, I don't have an album or anything like that. But I, I catch it every now and then like, oh, wow, this chick's really got... She did that version of Hey Now. Hey Now. Hey Now. Yeah, dream it, whatever. And it was so good. I'm like, wow, this chick's really got a voice. So whatever. I've been giving her a chance. And so I think this is her sister I follow too on Instagram. I'm so I'm so pathetic. <laughs> uh Noah Cyrus, this is her sister, and there is a song that she put out. It's on YouTube. It's not even on iTunes yet. Uh, it's got 1.5 million views, which is nothing to shit on. Goodness. And the song is called We Are Fucked. And I was like, finally, finally, <sighs> finally, a little bit of millennial angst or a little bit of rebellion or a little bit of just something, just fucking something. Because I've been coming across these articles that millennials are depressed and, you know, eating Tide Pods. Is that what's happening, children? And I don't really trust these articles because I remember when I was the generation people were talking about and they would be like, you know, uh, the slacker generation, they don't want to have jobs. And I was like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. We all need to get jobs. Like, stupid. It was dumb. So I don't necessarily trust what old people write about young people, but I do like when young people create stuff that I think is pretty cool. And I like, okay, I'll just play the song. I don't think it's shitty. It's not horrible. So far, so good, right? Not nice. My life is great. I write then hit update. I took a We all we do is follow. I like that. 
someone pulls the trigger. So I like it. Hey, we are fucked. It's a little nihilistic. I like that. I like that in my music. Now, it does feel a little overproduced and a little fucking... She got help writing some shit from some old fuck like me telling her about, you know, consumerism or whatever. But uh, these days we only follow and we feel hollow. I kind of like that. So, hey, I'm I'm impressed, millennials. I don't mind. I'm into the Noah Cyrus. I... I sadly looked it up on YouTube. I saw I saw it on Instagram and I'm like, I'm going to check out the song when it comes out, when it drops, as they say. And it's, it's not terrible. And I like it. I like, we are fucked. I like the meaning. I think it's exciting, you know? So there you go. Okay. Okay. Let's, uh, what time is it? We got, okay. I wanted to mention one more thing that I thought about when I was on the gram. Uh, I follow old ass nuts, Dr. Phil, of course, Dr. Phil. And he had this quote up on his Instagram. It's, uh, it said perception, uh, perception is reality. If you believe something, it becomes your reality. Oh, Dr. Phil. Oh, does it now? And, uh, I like that. I like it because it's uh, self-helpy and philosophical. I like it because the phenomenologist, the great phenomenologist, Marlou Ponty, French phenomenologist, said that uh, perception is reality. That was actually his jam back in the day. But uh, mostly because in philosophy, there is this idea that things had an essential nature versus the nature that you can perceive with your senses. And this French guy was like, no, there is no essential reality. There is only the reality you perceive with your senses. The flesh of the world is what he called it. And that's it, guys. What you get is what you see. What you see is what you get. And uh, deal with it. Deal with the external reality of what is. And I've always liked that. I've always liked that because it's the absolute truth. I mean, my God. I've been in therapy long enough uh, to know that your flawed thinking can create all kinds of shit in your life. And it isn't until you get your mind right that everything else kind of clicks into place too. So, hey, I like that. I take my inspiration from everywhere. Dr. Phil, fucking Miley Cyrus's sister. Uh, This is us, network shows, you name it. I take it from everywhere, guys. So there we go. So check the mind. You got to check your mind. You got to get your mind. Okay, let's get into some, uh, hold on, I gotta get the theme song. Let's get into some, some emails. You wanna know why you're all fucked up? Okay, I love these emails, don't you? So fun, I love reading people's shit. Uh, okay, so this lady writes in, hey mommy, hey mommy. She writes, I'm soon to be 41 years old, divorced hetero woman. I left my emotionally, verbally, and sometimes physically abusive husband who I had been with since 23 years ago. Holy moly. I haven't seen him since the court date, so let's just say there was no closure. In that time, I lost my house, went into some serious debt from the divorce, put down my dog, moved into a shithole money-sucking apartment with the two remaining dogs from my previous relationship, and here I am. I've had one of my ovaries removed a year ago due to borderline tumor, the size of a cantaloupe being attached to it. Because of uh, that, I have to get screened for cancer every six months, and I have entered perimenopause. Entered peri, perimenopause as they took my dominant ovary. They will eventually get my whole female package. All this and more led 
me down a cycle of alcohol abuse in which I am now in recovery for and doing very well. Thank you. I'm planning on moving closer to family later this year as the divorce has left me extremely isolated. Here's my question. How do I reenter the dating world now? I have dated a few men since my divorce, but I was not ready emotionally to make a commitment or they were fucktards. Can I say fucked hard? She writes, yes, of course. I have, emo- I have trouble envisioning a man that wants a woman with all my baggage. Sweats a lot, lots of debt, shitty car, old emotional baggage, doesn't drink, etc. I am mostly focusing on healing myself right now. Lots of therapy and in recovery support group as well as meditations and all the fucking self-help resources you can shake a, sti- shake a stick at. But I'm extremely lonely. I can't help these ruminating thoughts of me dying broke, full of regret, and alone. I'm working hard with a quick wit. Uh, I'm a hardworking motherfucker with a quick wit and have no children. That's my resume. Any advice would be much appreciated. Well, you're worried, it sounds like, right? That's what you're telling me is like, I'm going to die alone. I'm going to die full of regret. (laughs) Don't you love our minds? What was I just talking about, Dr. Phil? You got to watch the mind, right? Perception is reality. You got to watch the mind, watch the thoughts. Okay? It's normal. Your mind is telling you you're, 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 you're heading for calamity, right? You know why? Because you're getting your life. You're changing your shit. You're improving. And it's new. You're getting out of an abusive marriage. You're moving. You're cleaning up your debt. You've had a massive change in your reproductive status. All these things are new and terrifying. And the brain doesn't like change. It's going to try so hard to resist new things that might be better for you. And you're going to go down calamity row. Everyone, I think everybody does that. Isn't that fucking normal? It's normal. You're, you're catastrophizing, right? So firstly, uh, allow me to congratulate you on leaving your piece of shit abusive husband. That's massive. That in and of itself, good Lord. I mean, that, that's wonderful. So good for you. Good for you on all the therapy. Good for you on all the self-helping. Good for you on all the grouping and all that stuff and moving home and taking care of yourself because that's what you got to do. Are you going to die uh, broke and alone? No. No. Of course, not, unless you want to. Because here's the thing, lady. And I firmly believe this, and I watched both my parents uh, go through being single in the 80s and my mother go through this exact fear of like, oh, nobody's going to want me because I am old. I'm 40 years old. No. Uh, Mind you, both my parents got remarried. Uh, Here's why I say this. Because I believe there is truly somebody for everybody. Now, here's what you may have to do once you've cleaned up your, your life, because I don't, it doesn't sound like you're ready to date, I wouldn't do it yet. I would wait until you're further down recovery. I don't know how long you've been without alcohol. I'm pretty sure they tell you a year before you um, even think about fucking with someone. Uh, but clean up your mental, emotional space as much as humanly possible, I'm assuming is the right answer, right? Who are you going to date? So who are you going to fucking date? That's the question. Well, I've watched enough Millionaire Matchmaker uh, to know one thing, and that a 41-year-old woman with no children and maybe not the ability to have them is quite an asset. Now, are you fit? I hope you're taking care of your body because that's, guess what, guys like bodies. (laughs) 
and nice faces and nice tits. Sorry, just the truth. Get your fucking body right. I don't know what you, what you look like, but it's going to help you. And who are you going to date at 41? Well, you're going to find a guy who's maybe in his 50s or 60s, maybe a decade or two older now. In the past, I've, I've, you said, but Christina, you're not supposed to fucking tell people. I thought, I, thought, I thought 20-year-olds aren't supposed to date 30, 40-year-olds. Yeah, because that's miles apart. A 20-year-old intellectually, spiritually, uh, psychologically is like a teenager. And then a 30-year-old is getting closer to adulthood. By 40, you're an adult. By 40, you can date 50, 60, whatever, because you guys are all equals at that fucking point. You're an adult. So, (laughs) my love, you may have to date a decade above you because to some 50-year-old wrinkle nuts... You're a fucking hot catch, dude. You're a hot catch and you don't want kids. Well, you can't have bio, bio kids. I, I, you don't specify whether or not you want to adopt, but I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what your status is. You may not have bio kids, but you might make a fucking killer stepmom. And believe me, there's a shortage of those in this world. Why not make a kid's broken home nice? Be a killer stepmom. Uh, so here's the deal. Yeah. You might have to find a divorcee, some 56 year old dude. Maybe his kids are up and out of the house already. He's got a little more resources, a little more means cause he's older. And guess what? You and this guy travel the fucking world on his yacht and have a wonderful life together and enjoy hobbies together that don't include boozing. There's a lot of people that don't drink. I'll tell you, my husband and I, uh, at least now I don't drink cause I'm pregnant, but my husband seldom drinks and it's never been a part of our social repertoire to begin with. We don't do drugs. We don't drink. You can still have fun. You can still live your life. There's a lot of people that don't, uh, don't have to get hammered to enjoy anything. Find that guy. He exists. I don't know how I'm online. I don't fucking know, but to a man like that, you might be a great candidate. And here's the deal. When you love somebody, the debt and the baggage, quote the baggage, and I fucking hate that phrase, by the way, baggage, baggage. You mean a life lived? You mean what every person has by the time they're 40, 41 baggage? It just means a life, girl. That's the wake of your ship. That's like, that's just the stuff. That's fine. Everybody's got it. So he's going to have some shit. He's going to have an ex-wife. He's going to have kids from one marriage, two marriage, what the fuck ever, dude, who knows what this guy's got credit problems. But when you guys get together, whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, you will assume each other's debt if you get married and you kind of don't care because, because you really like each other and because you really love each other and you'll figure it out and you'll gladly assume that person's debt because you know, you'll figure it out together because that's what marriage is. Two mommies, one jeans. You get married, you assume that person's shit too. It's just, it's just part of the game. It's just, it's part of all of it. And and men especially are wonderful at overlooking all that stuff if they really, really, really love you. They love the woman that they're with. That's what's the beauty of of men. The beauty of men. But uh, I will say for now, don't worry about it. And the more you're gonna worry, the more you're gonna. Uh, and again, watch the mind. Watch how the brain works. The more you fixate on, I'm fucking old, I'm sweaty, I'm broke, <coughs> all this or that, 
you're courting more of that shit in your life. The more you think, guess what? I'm 41, childless. That's a hot commodity to some dude who doesn't want to have kids again at 60 or 50 years old. My guess is those guys at that age, they don't want to start a family, but they want to date a younger woman. So you're actually in a really unique pool of women that are perfect for that demographic of dude. Right? The older guy wants the hot catch but doesn't want kids again. Perfect. Perfect. And he's going to overlook all this shit if you look good. Take care of yourself. Get your fucking cooch waxed. Go get your hair did. Get your nails done. Get your shit done right. Go get a bra that fits. All that stuff. Don't worry about all the recovery. Don't bring all that shit up on the first date. Don't you dare fucking bring this shit up on a first date. I'll murder you. Don't fucking tell people everything on the first day. Oh, I, I got an abusive ex-husband. I got him in recovery. No, no, no. No, that's not until later. A little bit later, once he starts to like you, really like you, then you can reveal the, the quote, the baggage, the stuff, right? I'm watching this show about, uh, <laughs> about people marrying inmates. Probably the most fascinating thing I've ever seen on television. <coughs> I am so fucking congested and I'm sorry to be sniffling. I don't know what to do. It's, and, and, and I'm pregnant, so I can't fucking take anything. Sorry. Sorry. The show is called Love After Lockup. Yeah. Fucking people marrying convicted felons. How great is that? Now, are some convicted felons able to get their life, turn it around? Yeah, of course, of course. Are some people just psychopaths that are, uh, you know, lifelong, what is the word, recidivism? Uh, Recidivists? Yeah, of course, there's all kinds. But for for this show, uh, it's just so fucking great that these people are dating inmates. Uh, What was was the point of this, the baggage thing? Anyways, I, I love the show. I think it's fantastic. Uh, talk about baggage. Oh, oh, oh. So this guy is dating a, a heroine. She was on heroin, this gorgeous uh, Russian blonde girl. And she was dis- distributing heroin and she got six years for it in prison. So she gets out and his parents are in law enforcement. <laughs> so he knows they're not going to be thrilled that the, the girl is a, you know, heroin salesperson. And he chooses to not to to not disclose that she was a former of a convicted whatever, and uh, I think that's not a bad idea. I don't, and I didn't. I didn't because it was like, well, why not give her a fucking fighting chance? Because once you get to know somebody and you see that they're kind and that they're good and that may have just made a mistake in their youth, you tend to take the other stuff better. Why not lead with the stuff of, hey, you know, I'm a sweet, nice lady. And once they're on your side, then you go, yeah, I've got this shitty husband. Oh, but it's been worked out. I had a problem with alcohol. Oh, but that's been worked out. And, you know, you you tell them in a positive light, you spin it so that it's not so fucking, you know, heavy. Because everyone's got heavy. Heavy. But uh, it doesn't have to, the the story doesn't have to be your lead. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be always about the the past. You're not your past. You're not. 
You are who you, you know, you're becoming. You're constantly becoming. Don't you dare let the past dictate your future. Don't you fucking dare let your past mistakes dictate who you're going to be. Because you got your eyes on a bigger prize. Okay? God damn it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. Hi, Mom, you see. She says, my name is Samantha. She's finally taken a huge step forward and gone with a therapist. Congratulations. Oh, she said she used the resource supplied on my website. Hey, and applied to the Los Angeles one. Excellent. For those of you who don't know, I have it on my website. Two episodes ago, I posted a resource for people who want to find affordable therapy in their region. So it's all over the United States. It's on my website. You can find the link. It'll tell you where you can find a shrink in your in your area. Okay? So she writes, my first two ladies... I spoke with over the phone were really sweet, but my assigned therapist just called me and almost gave me some standoff vibes. Unfortunately, I'm hoping it's just a bad day or meeting in person will be better. I'm super excited, but also nervous about starting therapy. I guess I wanted to know when do you know when to switch your therapist? How many sessions should I do before making that decision? I know I'm jumping the gun already, but I've never done therapy and I'm the type who's comfortable with being uncomfortable and will simply deal with it. How funny. I don't want to go that route with therapy though. Any questions? So that's great that you know that about yourself. <laughs> I was the same way. I'm the sa- I was exactly the same way. I'll just put up with it. I'll just put up with it. I'll just sit in the chair that's broken, sleep in the bed that doesn't work. I'll just use these headphones that hurt. <laughs> Don't we get used to things like that? Isn't that just terrible? Yeah. Well, here's how you know. I mean, a phone conversation, yes, could have been a bad day. So I would not uh, go by that. However, that being said, uh, I've been I've become a pretty decent judge of character. And if someone's a shit dick over the phone or a shit dick in person, move the hell on let me find the Medea clip move the fuck on because life is too short too short I'm going to find this clip for Medea oh here it is (laughs) where is it oh here we go here we go this is my favorite I played this before this is what I learned in all these years on this earth if somebody want to walk out of your life let them go. Let them go. Now, that's a different meaning, obviously. This is in response to, like, dating. Someone wants to fuck with you, leave you, good. Let them fucking go. Uh, but I've also learned this in terms of meeting people, interviewing people for, you know, positions or whatever. And Follow your goddamn gut. And it's hard for those of us who haven't been trained to follow our guts. <laughs> but... I have made the mistake so many times of going against my initial judgment of, oh, this person's fucking dog shit. Nope, nope, nope. Maybe I'll give him a second chance. How about a third chance? How about a fourth chance? And then before you know it, you're down the road, and now you can't dump them. You can't get rid of them because now you feel obligated, blah, blah, blah. So uh, give, give this person the benefit of meeting face-to-face. And if you still feel ooky, get the fuck out. Fuck up, get out and tell, I, I think I know the place you're going to, because I don't know. But anyways, uh, tell them, I, I don't like this person. This is a bad match. I don't feel comfortable. Do you feel comfortable talking to your therapist? That's number one. 
do you feel um, that you should feel challenged a little sometimes? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, uh, do you like this person's demeanor? Are they empathetic? Are they holding a space for you? Do you feel safe? Do you feel as though you want to share (coughs) stuff with them? Uh, Do you feel like they're respectful of you? Do you feel like they're listening, that they're being attentive? All these things count. Uh, And yeah, you're entitled to not like them. It's, It's a dating game, essentially, finding a shrink, a good one. It's kind of a dating game. And just move the hell on. Let them go. Let them go. On to the next until you find the right fit. It's just as simple as that. And if they're a good therapist... You should be able to say, you know what? I just, I don't feel this is a good match. And if they're a good therapist, they'll go, oh, okay, yeah. Well, uh, I'd like for you to feel comfortable. So let's see if we can find somebody better for you. And if they're a shit dick, they'll give you static. They'll push back and and give you fucking trouble. And that's how you know your intuition's even right. (laughs) Even more right. Because they're giving you static. And you're like, see, I knew you were a fucking shit dick. And I'll just confirm the fact that you know they're a fucking shit dick. Uh, are they lazy? Let's, you know, are they not returning your phone calls, your emails in a timely fashion? Are they, you feel disrespected? That kind of stuff, man. It's just like any other relationship. It's not like, uh, it's not like such a special, special thing. The therapist, they're human. So you should feel comfortable and also be aware of their gender. Uh, if you've got mom issues, go with a woman. Maybe you can work them out. Maybe not. Maybe being with a woman therapist is like the last thing on your fucking list. You don't want to do it. <coughs> Take into consideration the, uh, the gender, definitely. If you hate men and you were sexually assaulted by a guy, fucking don't go with a male therapist because it's probably going to feel really bad for you. Go where you feel safe. Safe. Safe is the key word. Safe, where you feel like you can share with them and that they're going to be respectful of your, your life. And your feelings, and they're not going to mock you or be shitty to you. So congrats on starting therapy. I think that's fantastic. And trust your instincts and check in with me, uh, Samantha. I'm curious to see how it went. I've had it too. We've all had it where you're like, this fucking guy, this motherfucker is going to teach me about my life, how to get my life. This person doesn't even know how to wear shoes, right? I had a motherfucker wearing white Velcro shoes, he was about uh, 100 pounds overweight in fucking light denim, tight-ass pants. I was like, this motherfucker looks like a garden gnome. He's not going to know shit. He, he hasn't even gotten his life right where he can be at a normal weight. Because let me tell you something. Does that sound superficial? Absolutely. But there's truth in it, my friends. Especially if your, your job is to tell other people how to get their lives. And that person looks like fucking shit. Are you kidding me? This guy doesn't even know how to dress himself normal. Why would I listen to him about my life when he hasn't gotten his? So I look at those things. Are they dressed appropriately? Is their office appropriate? Is it a clean space? I'm not talking about, it doesn't have to be fancy, fancy up on Wilshire and Beverly Hills. I'm just saying, is it clean? Are they sensible? Do, do they look like the type of person you'd want to have, you know, their life, you want to emulate kind of how they behave? Uh all that stuff fucking matters because if this guy, you know, I'm telling you, the, the, well, I'm talking about the garden gnome. It's because if he has, if he doesn't have his weight under control, that means his, his fucking thinking isn't right. He's going to tell me how to think. Nah, nah, bro. Nah, bro. No, nah. I'm going with the winners. 
Give me the fucking the in shape therapist. Therapist who knows how to dress themselves like a professional. Nice office. Nice location. All, all that stuff matters, guys. Perception is reality, okay? It just is. Sorry. It's just the way the world works, my little kittens. I wish I, wish I could judge everybody on their insides, but unfortunately the outsides are a reflection of the insides. And if the insides are all jumbled and dog shit, then the outside looks like dog shit. God damn it. And the more I see this, uh, the older I get, when I see people in their 50s and their 60s and they look like garbage and they look like they've been drinking their whole lives and they look like they've been neglecting themselves, it's because they have. <laughs> they've been treating themselves like crap for years and now the body can't handle it. And you look like shit by the time you're 40, 50, 60 because you haven't cared for yourself this whole time. And uh, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's the insides are a reflection. Of, uh, the outsides are a reflection of what's happening on the inside. Believe me. That's like... You know, unfortunately, that's just how it goes. And uh, fuck, good, good for you, uh, good for you, Samantha. But let me know. I'm so curious to see how how it went for you. Uh, <laughs> let's see what this one is. This one's interessante. Uh, well, I can't get into that right now. But it's a good one. We'll do it next time. Okay. 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 <laughs> Oh, all right. Uh, okay. So this person writes, uh, <laughs> uh, my mental illness slash mental trash bona fides include, oh, so this person saying I, I've got my life together and I am intention about it. This person grew up broke. Uh, occasional domestic violence, having undiagnosed body issues in my teens and twenties, very underweight, was an omega level virgin <laughs> until 21. I did well academically, got a psych degree and met a person who helped me get my life. Long story short, she was my first girlfriend. But after a few years, we realized we are better as friends. I attribute my still being alive to her influence. And she says the same about me. I did another post-secondary program got a careerable job, found a good medicine exercise routine, and together with my best friend, I feel cured. I know a cure isn't the right word. And circumstances could cause a backslide, but I genuinely feel like I've gone through the gauntlet and came out the other side as a normal person. But as my own life has improved, I found myself less sympathetic to the mentally ill. It contradicts years of university education and understanding about people and how we interact with our issues. But in my gut, I want to shake people and yell, just do it. Get better. I did it. You can too. This feeling is more intense for people whose lives aren't nightmarish ordeals, like those with garden variety, general anxiety, or body issues or anything else, which I've dealt with over the years. When I was in the midst of it all, I felt more sympathetic to people as if they were my tribe mates. Now I see them and have to consciously think away the reaction of Jesus, get it together. Basically, I feel like a nouveau riche asshole who looks down on his former poor friends. <laughs> and my emotional and intellectual reactions are pulling in different directions. I'm pulled between thinking we are far more resilient than we credit ourselves and that we can do more. And acknowledging that if not for some lucky breaks and meeting the right people, I might be a suicide case. Thinking about it gets mentally tiring and I often just push it aside. As someone who's done years of therapy and delves regularly into the murkiness of the mind, do you experience similar feelings or does this make me sound like a psycho who should join Tom laughing and that poor mechanic having his legs crushed? (laughs) 
How funny. Thank you for your show, Mark. Well, oh. <laughs> I think, you know, what's interesting, Mark, I think, uh, I think our level of sympathy for other people is kind of tied into our level of sympathy for ourselves at any given moment. Uh, meaning when we're less tolerant of ourselves, uh, we're tough on ourselves, we tend to be tougher on others. When we're kind and gentle with ourselves, we tend to be more kind and gentle to others because it's all a mirror of what's going on on the inside, right? At least that's what I've learned is that when I'm harsh on people, it's because I'm being harsh on me. Uh, But yeah, look, here's why I could never be a mental health professional. That would literally be my my therapy for people. (laughs) Somebody would come in with some garden variety shit like you're talking about and I'd be like, just fucking suck it up. God damn it. Get your life. What do you think get your life is? I'm just yelling at people. Tell people to get their lives. <laughs> I think I already do that, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, hey man, I'll tell you something. I, I was just talking to my husband about this because I am friend. Okay. So I know these two people who grew up uh, with, with a horrible upbringing, right? A terrible nightmarish mother. Uh, dad dies when they're young. Two brothers, two years apart. One brother uh, grows up to be a successful guy. Uh, money in the bank, good family life, and manages to avoid drugs and alcohol and has a pretty good existence. The other guy delves into alcohol, sex addiction, uh, is estranged from his family, et cetera, et cetera. So how is it that two people in the same household, same upbringing, okay, uh, can go, one guy goes this way, one dog goes this way, one dog goes this way, other guy says, what do you want from me, right? Why does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think some of it is resilience. I think some of it is uh, native intelligence. I think some of it is level of trauma. Some people are so traumatized that they are unable to be really, truly healed, some people, and I, and I hate even saying that because I hate for somebody listening to be like, I was fucked up. Does this mean that I'm doomed? No. No, but some, for some people, I'm saying the severe cases, can't, they cannot be totally, you know, you can be partially, but you can, maybe you don't have the capacity to see outside of your own stuff. So some people just aren't capable. And those people, yeah. Yeah, I hate to say it. Uh, I hate to say it, but sometimes I do have a lack of empathy. Um, and that's where I fluctuate because, uh, for instance, my, when you look at my parents and stuff, I'm like, God damn it. Like, how come I could get my fucking shit together? And they couldn't, right? How come I can uh, pull it together to get my ass into therapy and care for my son in a more um, loving and meaningful way? What the fuck can I, I, how come I can do it? And they can't, well, for a few reasons. One, because trauma takes like three generations or something like that to resolve. And I am the third. So I'm the lucky motherfucker who gets to go into therapy and do the sweat and the work and the suffering and the white knuckling of it all so that my kid won't suffer the same shit and the trauma that I suffered. <laughs> lucky us. Okay. Uh, but unfortunately my parent at my parents' level, they were direct descendants inheritors of Hungarian trauma and all this horse shit. So they didn't have a fucking chance. And then the generation before them, my grandma, my grandparents totally fucked, totally screwed, totally the receivers of, of abuse and, and, and neglect and socioeconomic horribleness and you name it, horrible, 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 horrible. So some of it is 
link to that. Some of it is nature nurture. Some of it is intelligence. Some of it is resilience. Some of it is this and that. But on a good day, on a good day where I'm empathetic towards myself, I'm empathetic towards my parents and I'm empathetic towards my ancestors and I'm empathetic towards the world and I have love in my heart. Uh, on a bad day where I'm in a, I'm in a funk, I'm beating myself up over this shit and that and that. I hate everybody. And I think that's really kind of healthy and normal. So are you some kind of a, what's the word that you used? I just love this. A mental health class trader? <laughs> no, no, no. And I, but I sense your anger because it sounds like you, you wrote, you, you've got your, you wrote your mental illness slash mental trash bonafides. You know, growing up broke, you said you grew up poor, occasional domestic violence, having undiagnosed, undiagnosed body issues, and you were a virgin until you're 21. So you're like, I've fucking done, I've, I've had all the problems. <laughs> you're like, I've figured it out. Why can't so-and-so figure it out, right? Why can't my parents figure out? Why can't my sister? Why can't my brother? Why can't my uncle? What, da, 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 how, come, how come I can fucking do it? Yeah. And I think that's normal because you're angry. You're angry that you've had to deal with all this shit. And, uh, and yeah, and why did I have to go through all this suffering when I could have just gotten lost in a bottle or gambling or any other fucking addiction instead of dealing with the shit, right? But you're not. You're not a fucking loser. You pulled your life together and you did it the hard way and congratulations. And some days you're just going to have to pat yourself on the fucking back for it because you probably come from a family that is not congratulating you on it. So let me be the person, my love, my sweet little boo-boo, my sweet Mark. Let me congratulate you and tell you that you are exceptional, that you've made it, you've broken the chain of bullshit, and that you're, uh, you're fantastic and you did it. And I will give you a pat on the back anytime you want. <laughs> And I know it's hard. It's hard to break the cycles of bullshit in your family. It's not easy. (sighs) And unfortunately, these fucking assholes you come from aren't going to give you a high five for it either. In fact, you're going to get the opposite reaction. (laughs) They're not always going to like you for getting your life. It's unfortunate. But hey, but be more sympathetic to yourself and you will be more sympathetic to others. That's generally the thing I found in my life. I don't know. That's just what I'm saying. I love that you got a psych degree. I tried getting a psych degree at first before I did philosophy and I found there was too many, too many statistics. I hated statistics. I could not, I I was like, this is fucking, what is this math? I couldn't do it. I didn't like that, but I love psychology and congratulations and good for you. Good for you, my friends. Okay. Guys, email me. That's deepropodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'm going to go spray some saline water up my nose as if that does anything. It does nothing. And uh, and I'm going to go enjoy my life. I'm going to get my life now. It's 2.30. I might go to the mall. What? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I said it. Uh, yeah. So have a great week. And until next week, that's been Deep Bros. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Yeah. 
It's Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.